Amen. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? You okay? Everybody good? Yeah, I'm talking to you. I can see you. So everybody, you guys, okay? Good? Good? Over here? Good? Everybody good? It's good to see some smiling faces in the room. Good to see some uh, old friends as well as some new little friends. Thankful to have who we have here with us this morning. I'm thankful to be here today. Again, I want to remind you that today is going to be a little bit different this morning as uh, we are moving into our elder ordination, elder installation this morning. Uh, we're going to be literally taking a pause from our series in Philippians this morning. So if you came this morning hoping to hear our uh, continued walkthrough of the, the letter to the Philippians, the Church of Philippi, uh, good news. We're taking a break this week. We're going to be right back into that letter next week, and then we'll see that on to completion. But what I want to do is this morning is I want us to take uh, really some time to to celebrate what the Lord is doing in the life of our church. And I want us to celebrate um, this morning with the ordination and the installation of our elders this morning. Now, i got to tell you, as we've been walking through Philippians together, thinking of our series title, which is called Joyful Unity, uh, man, I can think of no better way to celebrate that in a church than with the installation of elders within the church. And so, uh, man, I'm really looking forward to our time together as we prepare to charge our elders, as we charge ourselves as a faith family, and what the Lord will continue to do in our midst. Now, in this particular moment this morning, as we affirm our elders, as we install them, we are literally saying as a church this morning that we, here as a faith family at Southside Baptist Church, we believe in the Word of God. We, as a faith family here at Southside Baptist Church, we believe in what it is that the Lord is doing within our midst, and we believe in the men that God has now called to lead our church, and we are here to affirm, and we are here to celebrate the calling of these men. Now, um, as we get into this sermon this morning, you're going to realize that a lot of this is going to be directed towards the men who are being called to be elders this morning. But at the same time, as a faith family, I hope this message this morning encourages you as you think about your own life, your own walk, and what it means uh, to be called into faithful submission to the Lord. Now, I want to let you know that the call of an elder is one that is not a call to a title, nor is it a call to a position within the church. This position of an elder in the church is not for the faint of heart, nor is it for those who are seeking their own personal gain, or rather seeking to make much of themselves. Rather, the call of an elder is a call to shepherd. The call of an elder is a call to sacrifice. It's a call to die to self in order to follow Jesus Christ and then to faithfully shepherd the church and the body of believers through whatever may happen in the days ahead. You see, as elders, according to Timothy and Titus, these are elders are men who are biblically qualified men. Men who seek to faithfully serve the local body of believers. They faithfully lead within their own homes. These are men who are known as men of good reputation within their community. These are men who are now called upon to lead the church and to do so with a sense of grace and humility. Now, if you don't know who these men are, allow me to introduce them to you again. Our elders are Corey Hires, myself as pastor elders, and then they are lay elders, Jed Huff, Paul Simpson, Daniel Simpson, and Corey Dunbar. These are men that I've had the opportunity to spend countless hours with, talking, praying, having a good conversation, laughing a lot, crying on occasion, 
and yet all the while seeking to faithfully glorify God through what it is that he has called us to. So this morning we're going to spend some time clearly in the word, not hearing more about the qualifications of an elder because we've already taught on this. If you were with us during our series through First and Second Timothy and Titus, you've already heard about the call of the elder. You've already heard about the qualifications of an elder. So this morning, I want to turn your attention to really what can best be described as a charge to elders, and not only just a charge to the elders within a church, but also a charge to the church body as well. So let's get into the word this morning, and what I want to invite you to do is to turn with me now into First Peter chapter 5, and I want us you to hear Peter give a charge to the elders. Again, we are in 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. If you can and you have found your place in the Word, I would invite you now to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Now again, this is 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Peter writes, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you right now thanking you for this time, and we thank you for this morning. Father, I pray by your grace this morning that you would give us ears to hear Give us eyes to see, and Father, in our words and the meditations of our heart, we pray that you and you alone would be glorified. Father, we thank you for this day and the opportunity that we have to celebrate what it is that you are doing in our midst. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we've had to worship you in song. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship you through prayer and the the hearing of your word. And Father, we pray now that as we study your word together, Father, help us to not only see ourselves according to your truth, but Father, help us to hear the words of the charge that we are given, not only for our elders, but also as brothers and sisters in Christ today. So God, prepare our hearts and our minds for what you have for us. Help us to hear your word, and through it all, may you be glorified. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for loving us and delighting in us. Now, Father, we pray, speak to our hearts in these next few moments. For it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, if I could for a few moments, I just kind of want to set the scene for you because, again, we're jumping right out of Philippians, right into 1 Peter, and I want us to get a kind of a snapshot of what's going on with Peter this morning. Now, we know that Peter, um, the Apostle Peter, actually wrote this letter from Rome sometime during the beginning days of Nero's reign. Now, this letter was actually written to Christians who were actually in exile or were exiles, and they had been cast out uh, through surrounding regions all the way throughout Asia. 
Now, chances are this letter was probably written sometime in the the couple years before or maybe even the year before the massive fire of Rome where Nero blamed Christians for trying to destroy the city. And so what would ultimately happen after that is heavy persecution would come upon Christians in Rome and throughout the Roman Empire. So by the time this letter is being written, chances are the persecution had not yet reached the level that we would historically know of during Nero's reign. However, we do know that in Rome, under Nero, tension was very high, especially if you were a Christian who was living in Rome. In fact, the only way I can really describe this for us this morning is it's that same kind of tension that you feel when you're playing Jenga. You know what I'm talking about? Now, now I don't know if you play Jenga. Hopefully Jenga is not a life or death game for you. Um, if it is, man, you need some grace in your life and slow down a little bit, okay? But do you know how it is when you're playing Jenga, whether you're playing the little version of Jenga or you're playing the take-your-life-in-your-own-hands life-size Jenga? Which, by the way, if you've not seen the video of the Jenga board falling on the guy's face, it's really funny. Anyway, you know how it is when you're playing Jenga and you get to those final moments where you, every piece you try to touch, you know at some point it's probably going to fall on you. And so you don't know what's going to happen, but chances are you're about to lose. This is literally what our Christians are experiencing in Nero's Rome. There is tension everywhere. The next piece to fall will probably lead to massive persecution. And so this was the tension that Christians were walking around with in Rome. Yet it was in the midst of this tension, both in Rome and in churches throughout Rome, the Roman Empire, that have now been scattered as far as Asia, that Peter now writes to the church and he calls the church to persevere in faith while suffering persecution. Now, why would Peter write these words? Because Peter knew and understood that in the end, as Christians, we will all celebrate in salvation what has been promised to us by God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when we look at verse 1 again, we see that Peter clearly writes to the church leadership when he says, So I exhort the elders among you. Now, what we have here is Peter tells us that he has a, a word or a charge, if you will, for the leaders within the church. And so in using the word elder, Peter is not referring to age at this point, but rather Peter is referring to reputation and to character and to service and leadership. Now, again, hear these words about an elder in a church. Age or length of time spent in the church as a member does not qualify a man to be an elder. Rather, what matters is his character and his integrity and his faithfulness to the word of God. Peter goes on to say, as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Jesus Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Now here Peter establishes that not only is he an apostle and therefore a direct witness to Jesus Christ, thus affirming what he said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, he now says to the elders of the church, brothers, I am speaking to you as one pastor or one elder or one leader speaking to my fellow elders and leaders and brothers in Christ. You see, in this moment, Peter is establishing solidarity between himself and between the leaders in the Asian churches who will also share in the glory that is to come. 
You see, in this moment, Peter acknowledges that as Christians, as as followers of Jesus Christ, as part of the family of God, which, oh, by the way, is exactly what Paul is talking about in Philippians, he shares with us that we now have a shared glory. And because of this shared glory, we now have a shared mission. And as believers in Christ, we are now in this battle together. Now, I want to take note of this because I want you to know that today in, in, in the Western church, man, this is an important message for us. You see, too oftentimes right now in the Western church, we're hearing a lot of this us against them mentality. And when I talk about that, I'm not talking about Democrats versus Republican. I'm not talking about mask versus no mask. I'm not talking about vaccines versus unvaccinated. What I'm talking about is the simple things within the church that have caused us to disagree with one another. Maybe it's a generational divide. Maybe it's a divide over how we define discipleship versus how we define missions. And what has happened in our churches is we've allowed this us against them to seep in. And what Peter tells us this morning is he says, no, we are in this together. This is about us being one family united under the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter says to us, we are together as one. So now that Peter has established this common ground between him and between the churches and their elders and their leaders, he now moves on to specific words for the elders. And here's where we're going to focus the rest of our time. So this morning, I want us to look specifically at what we can call Peter's charge to elders. Church, I want you to hear these words carefully. Elders in the room, hear these words carefully as they pertain to you. The first charge that we see from Peter is found in verse 2. He says, elders are charged to shepherd the flock. Notice the first thing that Peter calls the elders to is to shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Elders, here is your basic function within the church. You brothers are called by God to care, to protect, to discipline, and to guide the church according to the word of God. As elders, you were called to give your best. You were called to serve your best. You were called to love your best when it comes to shepherding the people that will now be under your care. Always being mindful of what the word of God has called you to. As elders in a church, elders, you are called and charged to preach the full truth of the word of God to his people. You are charged to discipline as the word prescribes for your individual lives, for the lives of your family, and yes, even in your corporate life within the church. Now, in speaking of The flock of God, as Peter mentions here, you not only carry the weight of sharing the gospel within your homes and in your communities, but you also now carry the hard and beautiful burden of disciplining the Christians in your care and discipling them in the ways of the word. I love what Mark Dever says about this point. He says elders in a church are called to commit themselves to the people and to the process of the church. And they are called to love the people well by providing them with patient instruction. 
Elders, you were charged this morning to shepherd the flock. Our prayer as your faith family is that you would shepherd the flock well. Our second charge that we see this morning from Peter's own words is found again in verse 2. Peter charges the elders here to exercise oversight. Now, by Peter's own words, elders are now called to take notice of the people, to watch over the people, to help oversee the people and oversee their spiritual condition and upbringing. Elders, like a good shepherd, you must take personal care of the flock. You must care for them in vigilance and with diligence remaining active in the lives of the people who are a part of this faith family. Now notice what Peter says at this point. Peter says that you are to lead not under compulsion but willingly as God would have you. You see here Peter teaches that an elder cannot lead from fear nor can an elder lead from shame or guilt. You see members cannot be forced to follow nor can a man be forced to become an elder. But rather, an elder has a willing mind and takes joy in his work. Peter then continues and says, an elder should lead not for shameful gain, but eagerly. As an elder in the church, you should be eager to serve the church. You should be willing to serve others, not seeking your own personal gain. But as an elder, your goal is never to serve for personal fame or status within the church. You see, for the elder in a church, it is never the goal of that elder to see that their name is on the building. It should never be the goal of any elder to see that one day their name will be found on the side of a pew. Rather, the elders know this church is here and this church exists by the grace of God. And therefore, the only name that deserves recognition is the name of Jesus Christ. That is why we are here. You see, the service of an elder should be like what Paul says uh, to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. He says, not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. You see, I think in this moment, both Peter and Paul would agree that an elder's service to the church should be one that is joyful. It should be a service that the elders themselves look forward to doing. But Peter's not done there. He continues as an elder. He says elders are to exercise oversight, not domineering over those who are in your charge. Here Peter teaches that as an elder, our job is not to simply sit in a room, nor is our our responsibility as elders to simply wield power over the people. Rather, elders are not lords. Elders are not rulers. We, We are not kings. Rather, we are shepherds. And as shepherds, we don't dominate the people within our care. Rather, we lovingly care for them and we lovingly guide them. Now, as an elder, do we oversee the people that are in our care? Yes, absolutely. In fact, I hope by now, several of you, most of you, if not now in the next month or two, I hope that you are beginning to feel and sense some of that love and care as the elders get in touch with you. 
As an elder, are we called to micromanage the people? No, absolutely not. As an elder, are we called to then abuse or beat people into submission? Absolutely not. You see, for the elder, there should always be a sense of love and care in whatever it is that they teach and whatever it is they communicate to the people that's within their care. You see, as an elder, when you sit at the table... There are no room for lords at the table of the elder. But rather, the elders, again, they are shepherds. The elders are servants. Whether in encouragement or even in discipline, elders still carry the responsibility to care and love our people. And yes, even though our society does not want to believe in this anymore, we have to love one another to have hard conversations. So now that Peter has charged the elders to shepherd the flock... Now that he has charged them with exercising oversight in care of the flock, he now moves to his final point and his final charge to the elders. Peter's third charge to the elders is found in verse 3. Peter charges them to be an example. In our text, this is where Peter calls the elders to be examples to the flock. You see, as one who is called to preach the word of God to the people, elders are also now called to lead by example and not under compulsion. In other words, elders are to practice what they preach. So as an elder, elders should practice holiness. They should practice self-denial, mortification of their own sin and all other Christian duties as listed in the word of God and as preached by those elders. In other words, to be an example means that you lead from the front. Elders are charged to, to lead from the front, not from the back. Elders do not sit up on some sort of of hill from the back at base camp and and tell all the, the little soldiers what to do. That's not how the elder works. Elders should not call the people to do what they themselves are unwilling to do. I love what Jesus says about this point in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. This passage tells us in the Gospel of Matthew, but Jesus called them to him and said... You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, by God's grace, the elder has been given the ultimate example to follow in Jesus Christ's footsteps. Now, as an elder, we may not give our lives in the same way Christ Jesus did and in the same way Christ Jesus died, for we ourselves cannot become salvation for someone else. However, elders are called to humble themselves. Elders are called to be the example of what it is that they preach. Elders are called to serve faithfully as one who submits to others in service. Again, elders, those who have been affirmed as elders by our church, I want to remind you, you are not rulers. You are not commanders.
commanders. You are called to be shepherds. You are called to be the example for the rest of us to follow. You are called to be servants. So in your call, preach faithfully, love boldly, set the example willingly, and serve joyfully. That is Peter's charge to the elders in the local church. And I believe that same charge holds true for us today and for our own elders this morning. We move from there into verse four. Now Peter provides the hope that we have in serving as elders, which is the same hope that we have today as a church. Peter says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now here again is our hope as elders in the church. You see, there is a day that is coming for all of us when the chief shepherd will arrive. In other words, Peter tells us again, there is a day coming where Jesus will return. And that is a day that we can hope in. You see, the reality for the elder is this. As elders, we have a long journey ahead of us. And though the journey may lead the elders and may lead the church in the challenging times, though the journey may lead us to call for extreme sacrifice, hear Peter's words one more time when he says, remain faithful in your call to be an elder. For a day is coming where Christ Jesus will return. And on that day, we will be rewarded as we enter into eternal glory with Christ. I love what Matthew Henry says about this point. He says, those that are found to have done their duty shall have what is infinitely better than temporal gain. They shall receive from the grand shepherd a high degree of everlasting glory. Elders today, don't ever lose sight of the hope that we have in what is to come. Elders, in your example and by your words, lead people to the hope that can be found in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, as we continue in our text, Peter is now going to take his attention off of the elders for a moment. He's going to turn his attention from his charge to the elders to now issuing a charge for the church as well. So let's look and, and li let's look and listen to Peter's charge to the church this morning. In verse five, Peter charges the church to submit to the elders. Now, the word submit here does not mean that we bow down to the elders when they come or bow down to the elders when they walk into the room, but rather as a church, we submit to our elders by recognizing that these men have been called by God to lead our church. And so by our vetting of these men, by our vote of affirmation, we have now affirmed the call that has been placed upon their lives. And the way we continue that call and that affirmation is by submitting ourselves to their leadership as they seek to glorify God both in word and in action. 
Peter goes on to say that likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Now, I want to pause here for a moment because this is not a moment where Peter is referencing younger people by age to subject themselves to those who are older. But rather in this moment, he is calling all of the church to subject themselves to the vision given to the elder according to the word of God. Now, hear these words this morning. Does this mean we are always going to agree? No. I don't know of any family that agrees on everything. Unless you were a part of the perfect family and you were withholding the secret of life to us. Please share. Some of you are nodding in affirmation going, yes, pastor, my family is not perfect. You're right. No one's is. Praise God for his grace in that. Does this mean that if we don't agree, we should walk away and leave? The answer is no. Rather, when we do disagree, that's perfectly as okay because even in our disagreement as a church, we have to trust that the elders are being led by the word of God and therefore we should submit or subject ourselves to that leadership. You see, here's something that I think we have struggled with here at our own church. Leadership requires trust. I'm going to say that again. Leadership requires trust. Trust not only in our leaders, but even as followers, trusting that our leaders or our elders are leading us according to the word of God. So as a church, let's subject ourselves to the authority of the elders and let's continue to pray for them daily as they seek to lead us according to the word of God. Now, Peter here at this moment is not done with his charge to the church. He moves on in verse 5, and he gives us a second charge to the church. In this moment, Peter charges the church to walk in humility. Notice how Peter closes out verse 5. He says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. As a church today, we need to hear Peter's words. As a church, we are called to live, walk, and talk in humility. Again, I love what Matthew Henry says about this point. He says, let your minds, your behavior, your garb, your whole frame be adorned with humility as the most beautiful habit you can wear. This will render obedience and duty that is both easy and pleasant. So why do we have this call to humility as a church? Because humility is the great preserver of peace within the church. Humility is a call to order in church. Humility is a call to worship in church. Humility checks pride at the doors and keeps it separate from God because according to Peter, God is the one who opposes pride. So as believers, if we want to seek grace, if we want to seek wisdom, if we want to seek holiness, then let us humble ourselves in our worship. Let us humble ourselves in our own study of the word of God. Let us humble ourselves in our own relationships and let us humble ourselves 
in our allowance of letting our elders lead. You see, as the church, we are called to serve. We are called to worship. And we're also called to walk in humility. Counting others as better than ourselves and seeking to faithfully follow our elders and faithfully serve the church for the purpose of glorifying God. You see, Peter charges us to submit and to walk in humility. So as a church this morning, let us affirm our elders by submitting to their leadership. Let us seek to serve them and let us walk in humility because as we've already said in our study through Philippians, there is no unity without humility. You see, Peter in these few verses have now spoken words of perseverance to the church. And so as elders and the church, let's hear Peter's words again, knowing that this charge will help advance the gospel of Jesus Christ even when the days get hard. So church, again, I remind you of your charge this morning. Submit to the elders and walk in humility for the good of one another and for the glory of God. As elders, I would encourage you to remember your charge this morning as well. Shepherd the flock, exercise oversight, and be the example the church needs in order to understand the truth that comes from the word of God. These are the words that have been given to us by Peter as the church faced persecution, and this is the word that we need to hear today. So as Christ's church, let us hear this charge and let us affirm what the word has called us to today. These are the words given by God to Peter for the church throughout Asia.